Mac Power Users, episode 734, I Got to Be the Hero. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. Um, I'm joined by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, Stephen. How are you today? I am good. How are you? I love free-ranging shows, and feedback shows are are just like that. We got a bunch of topics to talk about today. Lots of great listener feedback. We got got a lot of stuff to talk about. Got a lot on my mind, Stephen. Good. Yeah. Well, there's uh, it's why we have this venue. You know, every six yeah. weeks or so, we sit down and talk about all sorts of things, and it is it is always fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, on more power users today, we're going to be talking about the rumored Apple March event. It's still rumored, right? We haven't seen confirmation yet. Not yet. But it may be by the time this show goes out, there may be confirmation. Uh, I think an event is coming, and I have thoughts. We're going to talk about it with more power users, which is the ad-free extended version of the show you can get. You can sign up for it over at relay.fm. We very much appreciate that support. It helps us out. And um, check it out. Let's start with more on Apple Care. Uh, we did a big conversation about Apple Care a few episodes ago. And one of the things we had sort of open ended in that episode was how long can you pay the monthly Apple Care and keep your warranty? So forever, yeah. ba- basically, you paid a one time fee and it added a couple of years of co- uh, protection and coverage to your device. Several years ago, Apple added a monthly option where you can just, uh, instead of paying the $300 or $500, whatever it is, uh, up front, you can pay uh, a smaller amount monthly. And we weren't sure at what point does Apple cut that off. And it is still, just a spoiler, it is still a mystery because I have basically two different answers. So Braden wrote in, uh, Braden is a former Apple technician. And said, I don't remember where this is written, but Apple Care Plus monthly goes until either the customer or Apple cancels it. My guess is that once a product hits the vintage status, which we spoke about, which is normally five years, Apple would send emails and cancel that subscription unless this encourages Apple to service products longer. So with that information, that it's either until the customer or Apple can- cancels it, I went and played investigative reporter. I love this. I love this. You're going to your journalistic roots. That's right. All the way down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Don't stop until you get the truth. That's right. Banging on Tim Cook's office door. Yeah. Uh, first, I was like, well, why, why, would Amp, why would Apple cancel the plan? And via an article in The Verge that I had come across during the show prep, but I don't think we had it in the show notes. It's in the show notes now. Uh, part of Apple's terms and conditions say that the the company will automatically cancel your plan with 60 days notice if it doesn't have the necessary parts for a repair anymore. So, this is the verge now. It may very well be when the machine is marked vintage or obsolete. That makes sense to me, right? The 5 years comes, again, most parts of the world is 5 years. At that point, Apple is no longer responsible in their view to keep parts on hand for that repair. And so naturally the Apple care plus uh, would be allowed to expire at that point. Uh, You'd get a notice, you get 60 days notice and 
then you're kind of out on your own. So at this point, I thought, okay, the answer is when a product is vintage. But I thought, I want a second source. And so I called Apple. Uh, I just called the regular Apple support line that anyone can call. And I said, I'm looking at Apple Care Plus for a MacBook Pro. How long can I pay for it monthly? And the person uh, put me on hold for a second and then came back and said, you can do it for three years by paying monthly. Which is not (laughs) what the language that the Verge quotes in the terms of service or what Brayden, who has experience, what that that doesn't all line up. So I'm not sure if the, uh, you know, the person at Apple care that I called was incorrect. Maybe if I'd asked for a phone, it's a different answer, but I didn't want to play a hundred questions, right? Like it's not yeah. a support call. I don't want to tie up this person's time. Uh, but at least the conversation I had with Apple support was it's, it's three years. Some people on the forums with iPads have said they've paid for either four or five years. So, I'm still confused about this. I still don't quite know what the answer is. And I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, I got a text from I'm calling Apple for show feedback. I'm like, wow, he's going all the way. <laughs> I mean, I was like, well, who would know? Uh, I'll, you know, Apple would know. I, it's interesting to me because I was going through my subscriptions. Like for people who have these, you know, you can manage these under your app subscriptions, your Apple Care. And like I've got one here on uh, an iPhone that my wife is using that is now two and a half years old that we've been paying monthly and I'm tempted to let it go. I was going to cancel it, but maybe I'll just pay for another six months and see what happens on the third year anniversary. Yeah. It's, it's good long-term follow-up. Yeah. Some of the products that are in the monthly Apple care plan aren't old enough to be vintage yet. And so it may be that there's just not a lot of products out there that have hit that wall, which may be why it is, uh, it's difficult to ascertain exactly what that is. But based on Apple's language, again, quoted by The Verge, that parts aren't available for repair anymore with 60 days notice, that sure sounds like the vintage label to me, but yeah. I don't quite know. And I, I wasn't going to, once I didn't really actually get to the bottom of it, I wasn't going to include it, but we keep getting questions about it. And so I wanted to, to show that we are still working on this, but it is uh, it is a bit murky still. Yeah, we, we will get to the bottom of this, Mac Power users. We will find out. If you're out there and you know for sure, like I know we have listeners who are geniuses, right? I know we have listeners who work at Apple. Our feedback form has a little box and it, and it keeps you anonymous i don't know anything about you when you fill out that form but i would love to know for realsies as the kids say do the kids say that i don't think they do but i would love to know for real what the answer is here so if you do know please let us know because i I think we've accidentally stumbled into this mystery and I, i sure would like to be able to solve it for our listeners another piece of feedback on this is we didn't talk about other warranties uh, you know, there are other companies you can buy warranties from on your technology. You know, um, some of them are merchants, Costco, Best Buy, et cetera. Uh, some of them are credit cards that give you extended warranty coverage. 
And, you know, the show is about Apple, Apple care, but yeah, you can get it from other places. Yeah. I think that the best thing I would say here is just do your due diligence. Um, a lot of these that I looked at, so I looked at Costco, Best Buy, and a couple of credit card offers, just, you know, things I found online. And most of them are just covering manufacturing defects. They may not include damage protection, which Apple Care Plus does. You're still going to pay a fee, right? If you break your screen on your phone with Apple Care Plus, there's still a fee. Trust me, I know better than anyone. But that may not be the situation if you look at one of these third-party options. So really what I would say is just because something is cheaper than Apple Care doesn't mean it's a better deal than Apple Care. So do your homework, uh, do some research there. And it may be that one of those other options fits better for you, you know, in, in your specific situation. But just be mindful that that not all uh, quote unquote warranties or extended coverage, it's not all the same. And there may be differences that that really matter to you. I've, I've had some experiences with these third party warranties from places when you buy something that like crossed the lane line, you know, went from being like frustrating to hilarious and how bad it was. So as a general rule, I don't generally buy those warranties anymore, but Apple to me has always kind of been the exception. They're the company that actually kind of stands behind it. And sometimes they've even gone over, over to be above and beyond the coverage. So Mm -hmm. uh, I'm generally a fan of Apple care. If you're the kind of person that wants insurance on your product, I'm not recommending any of these third party ones. It just doesn't seem to me like it ever is worth it. But, but you know, if you've got a credit card that gives you coverage, um, Costco is another good example. Costco stands behind their products. And when you buy something there, you don't pay extra for it. But if something goes wrong, usually they, they cover it. And um, so I think that's something that should be admired and, and followed. But, you know, I'm not sure I would spend extra money on a product uh, for it to get their quote unquote warranty coverage. Okay. Um, I think, can we put now, can we put Apple care away for a couple of years? I don't know. I, th- I, I think, don't think so. I think we still have this mystery. We have to solve. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think this is going to be the feedback that never ends. I think it's, it's possible. Be. Maybe we do some sort of, look, this is not our thing, but I know true crime. It's a big deal in podcasting generally, yeah, right? Totally, Maybe we spin totally. off some sort of investigative, you know, it's got cool music and, you know, there's yeah. like voiceover. Maybe we do one of those shows just about Apple Care. On January 17th, Stephen's iPhone thought it was going for a bike ride. What it didn't know was that it was the last morning of its life. Too real, man. Too real. Right? I got the tone. I got the tone down. That's good. Bum, bum. Yeah. yeah. All right. You have some bike crash sound start effects. There. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you if you tune in to the next episode, you might find out what happened. Please like and subscribe. <laughs> this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by One Password, the password manager and application I keep all of my secure information in. I do it because it's really easy to use that information out in the real world. So whether I'm entering a password on my phone or I need bank account information about my Mac, 1Password is ready for me. Supporting all the latest technology from Apple, Face ID, Touch ID, Password Autofill. And for 2024, the 1Password team has announced they are focused on making the app smoother, simpler, 
and more intuitive. There's a bunch over on the One Password blog you should go check out where they are really focusing on some of these details for the next year, including better syncing for the browser extension, whether you're on or offline, making updating 1Password for Chrome even easier, and much smoother support for Safari. Things like the Safari browser extension, uh, filtering suggestions in the autofill menu like it did on other browsers. Lots of these details are rolling out to 1Password this year, and I honestly couldn't be more excited about it because I rely on this app each and every day. If you're looking for a password manager, 1Password is the one you should check out. Go to onepasswordcom MPU to learn more and to sign up for a free 30-day trial. And when you do, you'll get 20% off. That's onepasswordcom MPU for 20% off. They also have a 30-day free trial for you to check out. Uh, I love this app. I could not get my job or my life done without it. So go check it out. Our thanks to 1Password for their ongoing support of the show. Okay, listener feedback. We heard, uh, I made the mistake of talking about using Apple Notes and Obsidian at the same time. That brought questions. Uh, And, you know, at the moment that I said that, I said, people are going to want to know what that means. Why does he have two Notes apps? So uh, several people asked, um, how are you using two different Notes apps and why does it matter? To me, Obsidian is a thinking tool. And, you know, if you saw my Obsidian field guide or went through that webinar series, you know what I mean. It's a tool that lets you kind of surface ideas and and combine thoughts together. But I don't think, for me, it's what they call personal knowledge management everything tool. Uh, Because I like my thoughts in Obsidian to be kind of kind of like a pure thinking environment. And man, as I say those words, I know how bad that sounds, but <laughs> it, it is really good for that kind of work. And uh, I have gone down the rabbit hole of trying to use obsidian for everything, make it my journal, make it my project manager and all this stuff. And I, I find it actually, no, I don't need that. What I need it to do is to be a place where I can dump thoughts and ideas and then try and mix them together. It's my personal, um, it's my personal, what's the Harry Potter thing where they put their thoughts into? Oh, yeah. Horcrux? No, no, not a Horcrux. That's terrible, Stephen. You you really need more cultural reference. You really do. I saw Harry Potter like one time. It's my personal pensive, you know? So if you saw Harry Potter, you know, it's not my Horcrux. Man, Stephen, what are we going to do with you? I do. Um, I'm sorry. Okay, so anyway, it's my personal pensive. So that's what it does. But then there's like little things I need notes on that like I share with people. Like whenever I have a Friends of Dave guest on the labs, I make a, an, an Apple note and I share it with that person. And it's got like the Zoom call information and stuff like that in it. So kind of the daily notes, anything that's not like a serious thinking note for Obsidian goes into Apple notes. And we did a whole show on Apple notes. I think it is really the crown jewel of Apple's productivity suite at this point. It's the best one. And I use it. The sharing features are great. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Go back and listen to that episode if you want um, some tips. But uh, at the same time, it doesn't have the linking tools and the power that Obsidian does for that kind of stuff. And I don't mind using two apps. You know, one of the things I uh, 
we come across occasionally people saying, well, I want to consolidate. I want to get it down to fewer apps. I want it to be more minimal. And I get that. But in my opinion, the apps are not that expensive. In this case, both of these are free. Uh, and I think that using different tools to do different things can really be beneficial and not having all the data combined into one application actually can help make the idea the work you're doing with the app better. So minimalism in terms of apps for minimalism's sake is not something I'm on board with. Mm -hmm. Uh, In general, I'm in more favor of find the best app for this job and give it that job. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Just a little bit of a soapbox there. Just a little bit of a soapbox. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with using two. And that's when I said it, I said, they're going to ask me why. And I was thinking, well, it's a simple answer, but you know, we'll see if they actually ask. And a lot of, a lot of you did. So there's my answer. Yeah. And there are things you can do with Apple notes that are better than obsidian. There's things you can do with obsidian. that are better than Apple notes. And I definitely have given them jobs that play to their strengths. Nick, Nick asked, uh, he wrote in, um, that there is a feature in obsidian now to import Apple notes. And, uh, yeah, I did a, a labs video on this. It's a great little feature. What the Obsidian team did was they reverse engineered the Apple Notes database format because Apple Notes is a database, whereas Obsidian is a folder full of text files. And so I would recommend if you have Obsidian uh, that you go ahead and download. It's a plugin made by the Obsidian developers. I ran it against my, what is it, 800-ish Notes database, and it worked perfectly, and it pulled everything out. And I made a backup of everything into plain text files of all my Apple Notes. Um, I would say that this is a real credible way to do an Apple Notes backup if you want. Yeah, that's really cool. And if you're moving into Obsidian, you're like, I want everything there. Uh, well, you can do it with this plugin. But I think it's also a backup schema for your Apple Notes database. Just download the free Obsidian, put this plugin in, and then you can make a, a text backup. I did it as a test, then I deleted most of it. I don't want most of this in my Obsidian database, and uh, I, I'm comfortable with the backups I'm doing of Apple Notes as is, but if you want it, there it is, and you're good. We have a question from listener Steve that it needs oh, a little... I love this question. <laughs> oh, I know you do. Uh, yeah. little backstory. So Steve wrote, David, I'm a huge fan of your stuff. A lot of my workflow in my cancer research work uses tools I first heard about from you. That's pretty awesome. Whenever I hear people using stuff we talk about to like send spaceships up or to cure cancer, it's like, damn, we do more than goof off here and talk about <laughs> Apple stuff. I, That's right. I, I like that. Yeah. Me too. So Steve was listening to Mac Power User 729 uh, and goes on. Uh, I was replacing the faucet in my bathroom sink. I spent two hours trying to remove those plastic nuts holding the faucet in place. Extremely frustrating. I'm listening to MPU and hear you tell me about the basin wrench. Not too late because I have two more faucet replacements to do. Thank you, David. So you You're welcome. answered You're welcome. the exact thing. This guy's struggling. You know, he's a cancer researcher, smart person, right? Struggling with this plumbing issue. You mentioned this tool. It's exactly what he needs. He goes and gets it and you've improved his life. Now, Stephen, if you're listening, because one of the questions is, is Sparky all-powerful? The answer to that is, is yes. And wow. Stephen, if you're listening, I want you to get out Apple Notes or, or Obsidian, one of those. And I want you to write a new note and just write down the word sump pump and check that in two months. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. Sump pump. You're just putting it out there. 
Yeah. It's there, <laughs> it's for, there for you, Stephen. You'll know when you need it. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if you hear water in your basement, you know Sparks was there. Yeah, there you go. I didn't know I'd ever become an expert plumber. That's the thing I'm worse at. I can I can rewire electricity. I can build a cabinet. Boy, tell me to fix plumbing. I'm in trouble. But you do need a basin wrench. Everybody needs one. Plumbing is surprisingly complicated. You would think it's just yes. putting pipes together and yes. gravity. It is not. There's yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, listener Janet wrote in, why do all podcasters hate Apple Magic Mouse so much? <laughs> and she, she wrote me, you know, it was very funny because she's like, I listen to you guys. I listen to the other guys. And you guys are all dumping on my Magic Mouse. I love my Magic Mouse. And, um, and I thought, you know what? She's kind of right. Uh, podcasters do seem to dump on the Apple Magic Mouse. My feelings on the Magic Mouse are complicated. Uh, it is definitely very low profile, so it's not particularly ergonomic. And when you charge it, it's like a beached whale. You have to put it on its side. A very, very tiny, thin, and low-profile beached whale, but nevertheless a beached whale. Uh, but, you know, the joke is when she wrote me this email, I was using my Apple Magic Mouse. I'm, I'm using it today. I actually can't make up my mind. I have a Logitech. And I have this Apple magic mouse and like I go through phases where I'll use the magic mouse for a couple months and the things I like about it. So let's talk about the stuff that's good at the touch surface is one of a kind. Nobody else makes a magic, uh, a mouse that has this cool touch surface scrolling on it. In my opinion is unmatched. It is way cooler and easier to scroll using this touch surface than it is to use a wheel in my opinion. And if you have better touch tool, you can make it really dance. But, you know, the downside is it's so tiny. And then sometimes it just acts weird. Like I am, and if anybody's listening, that's also a Grammarly subscriber on the Grammarly website, the magic mouse just doesn't seem to work right. Like I try to get it to click and it doesn't, I have to actually use the trackpad. Um, when I do Grammarly grammar checking, it's just like super sensitive. I think what happens is the left to right sensitivity is too sensitive. So sometimes it thinks you're scrolling left or right when you're not. And that gets you in trouble. I actually found a um, a a terminal script to try and turn off side to side scrolling and it didn't work. Hmm. But I um, I don't know. I, I, I do have weird issues with the magic mouse on occasion but just in general the fact that i don't need a little dongle it you know it 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 always works uh, and generally in the scrolling so nice is I, i'll use it and then i'll get frustrated and then i'll pull out of my bin my logitech and i'll use that for a while so i i am still on the fence a bit on the mouse situation what about you steven i actually just had a, a change in my mouse situation i've been using a logitech mx performance forever in fact long time listeners yeah. know i had like a backup on the shelf and i had to switch to my backup i don't know six months ago or something the one i was using finally finally died and they all die the same way where they just slowly lose connection to your computer and you restart or you replug the dongle and then eventually it never connects again and i was like well this isn't like I can't be John Syracuse buying mice on eBay. Like I've got to, I got to find something yeah. that works. And so I tried the MX Master again, which I tried previously. I didn't love the shape in my hand, 
but it's like this is the one that's popular. I know a lot of people use it all day, every day. And they have a new, mo- relatively new model called the MX Master 3S. And the S is because the click is much, it's not silent, but it's much quieter than the previous Logitech mice. Uh, my performance was so loud that I actually I had, I had turned, tapped the click on my tra- Magic Trackpad, which is to the left of my keyboard. So I could click yeah. on things during podcasts because you hear my mouse all the time. Um, so anyways, I've been using the MX Master 3S for quite a while, I guess, several months. And there was some sort of initial like discomfort getting used to the new shape. But now I'm really happy with it. It charges via USB-C, which is awesome. I was already using a Logitech. So like, I was used to the dongle life. My trick is I, ha- I have the dongle plugged in to uh, the back of my studio display. It's a USB-A dongle. So I have Apple's little short USB-C to USB-A little adapter. And yeah. it, it means it's like eight inches away from the mouse or something. It tracks really nicely. It's quiet. The battery life is incredible. I've been I've been happy with it. It's not the cheapest thing on the market. It's also not the most expensive thing on the market. But it definitely lives up to the hype. And I, I've been happy with the Switch. So I bought the MX Master 3S because you told me about it and that's the one in my bin my mistake was i bought the white one and it gets dirty yeah i hate that i hate that and i've been trying to find ways to clean it that was like a huge mistake and then i have just to complicate matters like three years ago i bought the logitech um one that turns on its side and has a ball on it you know thinking you know i can like switch it up ergonomically once in a while and it's kind of nice having a mouse that doesn't move. You just reach over and it's always there. So I move between all three of them. I am multilingual. Uh, I can use any one of them effectively, but they they all have little things about them that I don't like. Like the, the the thing with Grammarly and the Magic Mouse, I don't understand. I think it's the side scroll that causes that. But, you know, so I'll probably get one of the Logitechs out in a couple of weeks and use that for a month or two. But but I do, I do uh, uh, understand what Janet's saying. It seems like everybody talks bad on the Apple Magic Mouse, and there is actually quite a bit you can do with it, and that's cool. One of the things is I think a lot of podcasters, Janet, uh, do the dual input thing where you get a trackpad on the left and a mouse on the right. Steven does it. I do it. Most of the, the nerds I know do it. And as a result, you get a lot of those track, those, um, those Magic Mouse features on the trackpad. Mm-hmm. So that makes it easier to move to a different mouse. Exactly. And, and that's exactly what my Magic Trackpad is for. It's for doing a bunch of gestures to get around Mac OS and particularly Logic when I'm editing. It's it's uh, not my primary input by any means, but the Magic Mouse doesn't work for me for the reasons you outlined. It's too small. That's really the big thing. It's just too small and too low to the ground. And so you kind of get the best of both worlds. You know, people come in my office sometimes like, what are you doing? You know, it's like you have a trackpad and a mouse, but I promise it works. Yeah. Do you get like um, hung up on the color of your input stuff? Like, like all of my input stuff is white and Mm -hmm. it just bothers me at like a little bit of a level. Like there's a part of me that just really dislikes. Says my stream decks are black. My, my screen is black. Yeah. Everything up on this desk and I've got white mouse keyboard and trackpad, but you know, like I am not going to like buy new ones, but for whatever reason, because when I had the iMac Pro, I really was very happy with the color situation, and now I'm not particularly happy about that. Does that is that a thing? A little bit. 
That's a little bit of a thing. All right. Um, flighty. Yeah. I just had something that it just came up in the, uh, in the forums just really just yesterday or even this morning. Some people, some users of flighty who have used it outside of the U S and the UK in particular have said that the data sources it uses, uh, aren't all that great. I will say in the U S and I think with Mike in the UK, it's phenomenal. But some folks were saying in parts of Asia and other parts of the world that whatever sources it has just just are slow or incorrect or, or kind of weird at times. So it's another thing. Your mileage may vary. If you're interested in this and you live in one of those parts of the world, you know, check they, they do have a, a free trial, I believe, uh, in their in-app purchase uh, system. So uh, it may not be the best answer uh, around the world. This may be something a little bit like weather apps where – Maybe Apple weather is really good where you are, but really bad where somebody else is. You know, sometimes these things aren't um, global in there or not equally good globally through that lens. So something to think about. Um, but I wanted to pass that along since the people were were discussing it. Yeah, it's just like me and Apple Maps. I've always been a general fan of Apple Maps, but I live in California, yeah. which is yeah. the same place Apple is headquartered. So I feel like we get the best data here. Mm hmm. Apple Maps is pretty good here. Like we've got the yeah. new data and everything all across the U.S., but I will say it is noticeably better when I'm in Cupertino or the Bay Area for work. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh gosh, look at all these features Apple Maps has that they they didn't build out here in Memphis, at least not yet. Yeah, uh, I am about to sign up for flight because I'm starting my six months of travel. I have for whatever reason a lot of trips, and uh, I'm doing it. It's on my list from our last episode. Um, Marcus wrote in, I recently got a new, uh, bring your own device job and I'm nervous about mixing work and personal files on one device. How do you guys do it? David, how did you do it as a lawyer? Uh, so bring your own device job. If you've never heard the term, it means that you get to bring your Mac to work. And, uh, the problem with that is you're probably plugging into your work data, but you've also got your personal data and the IT department's don't like that sometimes because they don't want you mixing them. And sometimes you don't like it because you don't want your data mixing with your work data. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it is a thing that a lot of people do. And, and I don't think it necessarily is a negative thing. I think it can work. I think it can too. Uh, I know that Marcus was looking for like some specific advice and I think it's, that's really dependent on the policies at your employer and what they do or don't allow. You know, if it's a Mac, you've got multiple user support and maybe that's enough, right? Where like, if you leave, you can blow away that user and everything in there would be gone. But on an iPhone or an iPad, there's not multiple user support and that's that makes it trickier. Uh, I would say, and you know, this is uh, coming from somebody who's worked for himself for a long time. So just like take that with a grain of salt. I generally don't like the idea of a bring your own device system where you're providing your phone, particularly the phone, but it can other devices as well. And the company has access to that in a way that they could wipe it or lock it if you leave or they fire you or something. Right. So if, if okay, I'm bringing my own phone, I'm paying for it my sense my personal thought is they should not have the ability to to reach into that device and do things with it so 
see what the policy says and and find out what what works best and at the very simplest level it can be as easy as okay my work email is in outlook and my work files are in you know on the company server not in my personal icloud drive that's when i think things get messy when your data and the company's data are living in the same place so it can't be as simple as separate apps or multiple users but just be mindful. Don't don't get yourself in a situation that could be hard to untangle. Uh, I'll, I'll give a quick example of this because it happened to a good friend of mine who had, it was sort of a bring your own device thing, but his company also offered to pay their cell phone bill because their office was like, they had an office, this is before COVID. They had an office, but they were in the field a lot too. But to do that, he had to turn over his phone number to the company and he did it because like, Hey, they're going to pay my cell phone bill. But then when he went to go leave, it took a long time to get his phone number back. They just not maliciously, they just kind of drug their feet on it. And so just be mindful of that. When you go into these decisions, think about how it could end because you don't want to be in a situation, right? Where you're trying to deal with a company that lets you go or that you left and there's contested uh, things around data or phone numbers or devices. Yeah, I, I think Stephen's point is a good one. Try to separate data using platforms. And like there are so many different platforms, like thinking about your contact and, you know, kind of that type of data or your email, you know, use like if work uses Microsoft, you use iCloud or if work uses iCloud, you use Google or, you know, just try to use different platforms. And that gives you a really good way to keep things separate. Also, in applications, like DevonThink comes to mind. DevonThink is a great app, but it also, one of the things I love about it is you can build separate databases. And so you can have a DevonThink database for all your personal stuff, a separate one for all your work stuff, and never the two shall meet. Uh, You can do the same thing with Obsidian. When you get in trouble is when you're using the same platform for both things and it integrates, and it's a problem. Because then if you leave the job, they're like, well, we want you to take all the data off, but your data is mixed with other data, and that is a huge issue. Um, and then also give thought to privacy concerns. You know, I guess as a lawyer, to answer to, uh, Marcus's question, uh, I was very sensitive to client data, and like I would not use it in services that sync without end-to-end encryption. And I had all these rules I would use for data. But you should apply the same rules to your own personal data. Like when you told me your friend gave his phone number to his work, that meant that the f- that the work got a got the bill every month. They saw everyone he called. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that I want all my friends and everybody to become part of yeah. the corpus of data for my employer. So just, you know, think about it that way. Separation, security, um, severability. And if you can figure out those things. Oh, that was pretty good. The three S's. That there was good. Go. I liked it. Yeah, I just came up with that. You know? <laughs> but the um but I, I think that's the kind of concerns you should have. You know, how do I keep it segregated while I'm there? How do I take my stuff when I leave? And how do I give them their stuff when I leave? And and then you'll be okay. But I, I don't think it's the end of the world to do this. Um, but just, you know, be careful with it. And uh, my favorite question of the month from Fernando, and this was literally a one-sentence email. He just used the subject line. I love that. Are you nerds still using your 3D printers? <laughs> and from Fernando. Wow, Okay. It felt a little judgmental, Fernando, to be honest with you, but uh, the answer is this nerd is still using his 3D printer. How about you, Steven? Uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely am. Yeah. I'm still 
working on my Gridfinity projects. I've also been playing with some cable routing solutions, not for my main desk, but for my the desk where my streaming PC is. There's just so much stuff over there. Like it's a tower with an external display. There's audio. There's three cameras going into capture cards. Like it's just a lot of stuff. And so I've been looking at some some things I can do uh, to help tidy that up. I mean, obviously you can use, you know, <laughs> Velcro ties or whatever, but there are also some options for like channel, like cable channel routing and some other things that I'm, it's, I'm very early in that, but that's kind of my next big project. I think I, I need to see pictures of this, Steven. I want yeah, to see, I, I will get some, this. it's mostly collecting links so far, but as soon as I get something done, yeah. I'll report back. My cable management, I tell you, I, I really just like did the cable management equivalent of buying stretch pants. I um, I got like a, it's like a shelf channel that you screw to the other side of your desk. And it's big. Like it's like two, three inches wide, two, three inches high. And I just stuff all the cables in there. It's so embarrassing. If you saw it, you'd be like, what, what has he done? That's but I just gave up. I got my stretch pants. I just, I stuff all the cables in there when I need to change when I pull them out change what I need, I stuff them all back in. It looks nice and tidy, but it is chaos inside that channel. I got a little bit of that going on. I won't lie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my 3D printing, Gridfinity, always and forever, Gridfinity. That is like the best reason to get a 3D printer in my mind. I love Gridfinity. I just did a Gridfinity to my saxophone drawer. Whoa. It, it's like e- each mouthpiece is laid out like a, um, you know, like like bullets and like, the ligatures, the reeds, everything has a place. I sent a picture to Jim, our editor, and he was, you know, he's a saxophone player. He was, he was uh, very impressed. And then he started uh, criticizing my gear, telling mm. me what I got good that's bad. But, you know, Jim would know. He's, he's a much better player than I am. We need to get Jim a 3D printer. Come on, Jim. Yeah, come on, Jim. Join us. Join us. The, uh, my wife had an interesting work problem. Uh, my wife, one of her jobs is she produces the maps. If you go to Disneyland, you know, the thing you get when you walk in the gate or, but she's got different production ones she's working on and future ones. And people are always coming by her desk. They want to see it. Cause you know, it didn't, anytime they change something, the map's got to change. So she's got all of these in production anytime, but so she needed a way on her desk to have each one in each stage of production. So when she could talk to people about them, she could easily get it. So I made her some, Disneyland map sized bins for her desk. That's and cool. I got to be the hero for my wife for a day, which came out really great. I love that. I did my own design recently. Uh, I have the wave XLR device for audio input and I have the stream deck and they're next to each other, taking up a lot of real estate on my desk. So I made a very basic shelf. It looks like the letter C, but the lower leg of the C, a, a very square C, you know, three lines the lower leg goes out further than the upper leg. And as a result, then I can set the bottom stream deck on it as a base. And then I can put the wave XLR on top of it. And it looks great. And I made it, I designed it in about five minutes and printed it up. And now the problem is solved. What else have I, I made a clock. I sent Steven a picture of that one. Yeah, that's really cool. It was, it was a very fancy build, the fanciest one I've ever done. And I'm not sure if I want to make clocks out of plastic. I would rather make them out of wood. But I did it, and it was fun. And then my uh, my nephew came over, a little man who is very interested in Spider-Man, and he was bored silly. You know how it is when you would go to your older relatives' houses, 
And I said, how would you like to make a Spider-Man? And he said, I would like that very much. So him and I went online. We picked one out. Uh, we loaded up the red filament. And that little guy sat in front of that 3D printer for an hour and watched it build layer by layer. He was he was transfixed by it. And now I have. <laughs> Now, Uncle Dave has the cool house where you go and you get your own Spider-Man. So that was pretty cool. That is cool. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain using code MPU at squarespace.com slash MPU. There's a lot of reasons why you might need a presence on the internet, but there's only one place to go to get started, in my opinion, and that's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, services, and even the content you create. Squarespace has got everything you need all in one place. When you start thinking about building a website, you probably think it's difficult and hard to make something that looks good. Well, that's one of the nice things about Squarespace is they make it super easy. They've got the Fluid Engine, which is their next generation website design system, And with that, you can unlock your creativity and more easily than ever before, put together a simple or complex website that does exactly what you need. You start with their templates. Their templates are best in class. You can customize every detail and they have a reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. So you can build the website anywhere to do just about anything. And you can stretch your imagination online with the Fluid Engine because it's built in and ready to go with every new Squarespace site. A lot of times getting started with a website is difficult because you don't know where you're going to get your content or how you're going to keep the images up and all that. Well, Squarespace has figured that all out with their asset library. You can upload, organize, and access all of your content from one place. So there's no more scrambling to find the right content. You can manage all of your files from one central hub and use them across the platform. And if you want to know how you're doing with analytics, that's built in too. You can learn where your site visits and sales are coming from and analyze which channels are most effective. With Squarespace, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. I'm currently personally involved with three separate Squarespace websites. I've recommended the service to a lot of friends and family over the years, and I've never had that go wrong. And that's because Squarespace makes it really easy to make a beautiful website, and they've really evolved the platform over the years. So whatever tools that you need to use on your new website, they've probably already got it built in. So for one low monthly fee, you've got your internet presence, you've got the ability to create it, you've got the ability to modify it, and that makes people really happy. If you need a website, you should be checking out Squarespace. To do so, go over to squarespace.com MPU for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com MPU and use the code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Once again, squarespace.com MPU and code MPU when you decide to sign up to get that 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the Mac Power Users. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of the Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. Time for our Vision Pro check-in. And I wanted to start with uh, some apps that we have found uh, to, be, to be useful or fun. Um, I've got one that I, just, I, have to, I have to do this one first. It is called Black Box. And 
I don't even really know how it, I don't know how to describe it. It's not a game. It's not not a game. It's like an experience. It, it is by far the most impressive use of AR on this device where things interact with your hands or the real environment. Uh, you, you fire this thing up. You get a bunch of bubbles floating around you that look incredible. Uh, some of them have little puzzles inside of them or things you have to figure out. And it is also one of those apps where you're not sitting on the couch. Like you're kind of standing up in the middle of the room and using it and like waving your arms around. But it is, it's awesome. It It is the, it may be the first app that like really, I feel like pushes what this thing can do in, a, in an interesting way beyond ideas that kind of originated on iPad OS. I uh, haven't done it yet. Black box. I have downloaded it. I haven't opened it. Um, I've heard so many people rave about it. Like you, I just want to wait until I've got time to really just like kind of dig into this app, but I haven't done it yet, but I have downloaded it. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Uh, Juno's on your list too. And I, I second the nomination. I mean, it's just, it's a YouTube app. I mean, why on earth didn't YouTube make an app for it? Well, I don't know. Corporate politics, yada, yada. But Juno is perfectly satisfactory to me. I, I've used that several times. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's by Christian uh, Salig, who did the Apollo Reddit app. So it has lots of polish, yeah. lots of nice little details. Uh, you sign in with your account, and it is, it's a YouTube client. Like It is all the YouTube stuff. I know he continues to push updates for it. The initial version lacks some features people wanted, uh, but he continues to work on it. It's a one-time upfront purchase. And if and until YouTube gets their act together, this is far better than using YouTube in Safari, uh, at least in my experience. Well, I've been, you know, speaking of Safari, I feel like that's one of the the killer apps because it just gets you anywhere. Uh, um, there's a new show on Netflix. I, I've, I've decided, Stephen, I'm just reverting to childhood as I get older. But during the pandemic, my daughter and I watched the Avatar animated series together, and we had a great time watching it. Now they've made a live action version on Netflix. But uh, in, for a lot of reasons, okay, you, you want to hear the background of this? My, my dog yes, I do. hates animals on TV. She hates anything that looks like a dog or a horse. She, she literally watches TV with us. And anytime a dog comes on TV, she loses her mind. She thinks that there's a dog invading her house. And I was thinking what hell it is for her. Cause anytime the TV's on, she has to always be watching if they're, you know, she'll watch, if we watch TV for three hours, she'll sit there. And I think every moment is like, is there a dog? No. How about now? No. Well, how about now? You know, and then as soon as there is one, she just lights up. So uh, this show Avatar has got animal, dog-looking animals in it, and and other animals I know would upset her. So I'm, like, I'm going to watch this on my Vision Pro. Well, guess what? Netflix doesn't have an app, so I have to watch it in Safari. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's not terrible. I, I put myself in Hawaii at night just to kind of close the surroundings, and it's like going to the movie. So I I, I think Safari is pretty great on this app. I mean, it's it's great anywhere, but it's just like a window into anything. And, uh, you know, it's so useful on this platform. And it's the escape hatch for yeah. developers who didn't or haven't yet written apps. Yeah, exactly. Could you imagine if Netflix, like, just blocked it in Safari? I could see them, you know, because they had an app perfectly working. 
iPad app that we could have used that they just decided to say we can't. So I don't know. Uh, another app that I've discovered that exists on other platforms is Aiko, A-I-K-O. It's just a, um, it's, it's a uh, AI voice to text generator. So, and there's a bunch of apps like this now. They're all using that Whisper engine. Mm-hmm. And you just push the record button. It doesn't transcribe while you talk. It just records your voice, and then it transcribes it with Whisper. And I wrote the developer. He confirmed that it's all done locally. That's why it's a massive download. It's downloading the whole Whisper engine when right. you download it. But the um, if you want to sit in space or Yosemite or whatever and just talk and then have AI um, put that recording into uh, text, it does a really good job. I mean, I I was uh, shocked at how good it is. It's a little paragraph happy. It feels like it makes every sentence a paragraph. But other than that, it is just great. And so it's just a great way to get text into a device where, you know, using the little on-screen keyboard isn't, isn't ideal. So I think that's a, that's a winner. Um, Notes is also a app that I'm using a lot. I'm not sure if I'm going to call it a standout app. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's got your notes, like we were talking about earlier. I've got lots of stuff in notes, so it's all there for you. I wish they had made it more Vision Pro friendly for writing it. Like, it's still just that big white screen with the text on it, where everything in Vision Pro has is, is got more of kind of a dark mode and transparency. Apple Notes doesn't do it, but I find myself using the app a lot anyway. I just wish it had a dark mode. It's so yeah. bright. <laughs> um but yeah, it is one of their their native apps, and that's something I still don't understand. I don't think you do either. Like, where are Apple's other apps for this thing? We got Keynote, but you know, where are Pages and Numbers? We've got uh, Notes and Freeform. Where are Maps and Reminders? Like, it seems very. We said this in the show. It just seems very weird to me that they're not fully there. And my guess is Vision OS 2.0, you know, probably at WBDC. My guess is most of them will come then, but I don't, I don't understand why they're in compatibility mode. The narrative on this device is there. It's a really cool device, but the software isn't there yet. And mm-hmm. people are returning them because they don't know what to do with them. And it's like, Apple has a bunch of software that it didn't ship on day one. And it's like, how did that, what a miss. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a story behind it. Maybe I was thinking, and this is total speculation. Is it one of those things where it was so secretive that these teams weren't allowed? Or is it that it, I, I just don't understand why Apple's own software wouldn't all be there? But I, we've already talked about it on the show. Um, but I'm also eager for other people. Like I, the day drafts, you know, shows up in a native version. It'll be a happy dance for me. Um, I'm also using some secret betas. I asked, I'm not allowed to talk about them, but but I can tell you that there's software coming already that is very close to done that is going to make using this thing even better. So the software story is arriving, but Apple had a, an opportunity to make it easier to get all their apps on it. I mean, like remember when they announced the iPad and that was such a big deal, all the iWork apps had fully implemented versions and, all that stuff just for the iPad. And it just didn't happen here. I'm going to stop you know, droning on about that, but it, mm-hmm. it is just a, it's a head scratcher. It, it definitely is. Um, where is it fitting in day to day for you? Remarkably well. 
I mean, it, it is an expensive bidding kit. Uh, I don't think that uh, people looking at it for productivity, uh, I don't think the the version one probably sells itself as a productivity device unless you've got some money to burn on something like this and you really want to get in on version one of something new. That really kind of describes me. You know, I had enough that I could afford it. I wanted to talk about it here, but I also want to use it for productivity. And um, I use it uh, now. My writing workflow is settled on this device. I look forward to doing my writing on it. I don't. It's just a thing. There's a block in my day when I go to write. I sit down in my comfy chair. I've got a Bluetooth keyboard. I go to Yosemite, and I start writing. That's why I'm kind of... Um, both bemoaning and praising Apple Notes because it's there for me to do that. Uh, I'd like to get more options than that one, but it's great. And I go and my brain immediately switches to writing mode when I drop into Yosemite. I like doing it away from my desk and I can use Ico for that rough draft and then put it into notes and clean it up. And I can get really close inside uh, Vision OS of getting some really quality writing done. So it's great for that. I've been experimenting further on two concepts. One is ideation, which I've talked about uh, using Freeform and MindNode. Again, Freeform is there, but it's not quite there. Like I don't feel like it's vision OS friendly either, which is a surprise to me, but I'm getting some work done with that. I'm going to talk more about that once I kind of nail it down more. And surprisingly, my day planning I've been doing in there recently. Fantastical is amazing. Um, Apple Mail is okay. It's not great. Like just like silly things like keyboard shortcuts aren't working that work on every other device and things like that. But but I can like process mail, plan my day, work through my tasks. I can do stuff like that in there in the morning, which is something that I have historically done on an iPad. And that's kind of the light bulb moment for you. If you if it's something that you could do on an iPad, you can do it in Vision OS, but you get more windows and it's more immersive and in some ways superior and in some ways worse. So for me, as someone who the iPad even doesn't really have that big of a footprint, I'm, I am finding it difficult to, to slot in the Vision Pro into sort of day-to-day stuff. Um, okay. There are some things that I enjoy doing in it. I, I love the media stuff. I love the photo stuff. Uh, our friend, uh, underscore David Smith uh, wrote a blog post about a, what he's calling super resolution iPhone uh, panorama photos. And so he has some examples of taking a bunch of photos and actually stitching them together in Photoshop. There's a bunch of other tools that do that to kind of make his own immersive panoramas bigger than what the the phone does on its own. All that stuff's awesome, but I just can't shake the fact that like when I, when it's time for me to do work, I want to sit down on my Mac more than anything else. Um, I do have some travel coming up and I think on at least they're just short term trips. And I think on at least one of them, I'm going to take it and kind of see what that's, what, what is it like on the road? Uh, both trips were driving. They're not flying. So I don't have to worry about like putting this giant thing in my backpack, going through security and, you know, I think part of it, too, for me is that even with the media stuff, I just I just I can't get over the hang up of wearing it around the family because I feel so isolated in it. And that means that for the most part, it's staying out in the office and I don't do media stuff out here. 
Like, this is where I work. I don't, you know, say that Mary's got some girlfriends over and they're hanging out yeah. and I'm home. If I sometimes I use those evenings as an excuse to work late, but if I'm just gonna like read a book or watch a movie, I'll do it on the iPad in our bedroom, right? To get, let them have the kitchen or the, the living room, whatever they're doing. And for that, I could bring it in, but I don't know. I, 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 I'm keeping it. And I think it's super interesting as a computing platform. Like all the work stuff is really compelling uh, in terms of talking about it and learning about it. But when it comes to like Steven as an individual, that's where it hasn't quite found its footing yet. I think it will, but it hasn't yet. And I think maybe that's where a lot of those people who have returned them, uh, you know, I think the reports of being returned in mass are probably overblown. But I do think there is something there, like you said it perfectly earlier, that people kind of don't know what to do with it. And I'm a little bit there. There's some amazing experiences you can have in it. Again, like if you have one of these things and you haven't checked out Black Box, like I don't even know what you're doing. Like it's a twenty dollar app. That's me. <laughs> you spent thirty five hundred dollars on a headset. Like you can you can afford the yeah. twenty dollar app. But like where that is day to day, I just don't know. And maybe the hang up of like keeping it at work, but mostly wanting it for media stuff. Like maybe that though that I'll find a way through that, but I haven't quite yet. Well, see, I, I feel like I'm more comfortable with it than you are. Like, I'm I'm just using it for doing work stuff. Like, the app, like, there's an app I would love to see show up that I haven't heard anything about yet is is day one. Like, I think doing journaling in there would be really fun. And yeah. another kind of modal type of work. I do think, for productivity reasons, the best work to do in there is stuff like writing, journaling, like things where you can really drill in on something. Like I can do email in there, but I can do email much better on a Mac. So I don't think that the email processing is going to be something that I do inside Vision OS. But uh, I do like the idea of having certain types of work that I can just put that on mm-hmm. and use that on and trick my brain into like focusing on that when I go in there and so I, I, I'm definitely already using it for work. In terms of around other people, I noticed a few nights ago, Daisy was watching a Hallmark movie. That's her, that's her uh, favorite, you know, consumption on TV. Like, she likes nothing better than to sit down and, you know, do something at the kitchen table and watch a Hallmark movie. And I've watched several of them with her, and they're always fun. And you know how they're going to end and all that. But I just really didn't want to watch another Hallmark movie. <laughs> so I went in. And I said, Hey, I, I think I'm going to. Um, try out this new avatar thing in the vision OS. And she's like, cool, go for it. You know? So I, I talked to her about it first cause it was weird, but then I put it on and it was perfectly natural for me to sit there and watch a movie or a show inside vision OS with her in the room, watching her show. And I, I would had it open enough that I could see her. And if she asked me a question, I would answer it. And something I didn't ever expect to have me in the room with her her watch one thing and me watch something else and us have a conversation with me wearing that silly thing on my face. But it actually felt way more natural than I ever expected it to. I mean, if she had said, we need to talk about one of the kids or something, I mean, obviously I wouldn't have kept it on. But for us to sit there and consume our own media, but be in the same room at the same time, it really was fine, which kind of surprised me. I think so much of it is what the people around you think about it. Right? My wife, Mary, she did the demo, which I think we talked about on the show. She was impressed by it, but the computer covering your eyes thing is a big thing for her. 
it is for me too, but her take on it definitely is a factor. And uh, there was one evening, I think maybe the first weekend, I brought it inside because the kids wanted to see it. And I, you know, I kind of let them yeah. all try it. Boy, the demo mode. Okay, we said it before, I'll say it again. Apple has to fix that in Vision OS 2. Yeah. It's so bad. But I was then using it on the couch and the family was around. And one of my kids was like, Hey, dad, can you see me? And I was like, Oh, I hate that question. Like, I, that yeah. is, that makes me feel bad and weird. Yeah. And so, yeah. but I used it as like, Hey, you know, can you see my eyes? And he said, Yeah. I was like, It's my youngest who's nine. Yeah. I was like, Well, if you can see my eyes, I can see you. But, I'm, I already try to be sensitive about like them not seeing me on my phone, like when we're, you know, together. And I felt that all the time. I definitely don't want this to be something that is a, is a point of friction there. So I think it is really dependent on the people you're around too. Well, I mean, and we're struggling now with an attention crisis because of the screen you put in your pocket. When this gets to its natural conclusion and it's just a pair of glasses, and you can always have screen show up, it's going to be a massive problem. I'm not denying that. Uh, but uh, that said, I, I do find uses for it, and uh, I am a happy user, not just as a podcaster who wants to talk about it, but somebody who uses it to get work done. And I've been finding myself using it daily. I'll be curious in six months, will that still be the case? I suspect yes, as even more apps show up. Yeah. And more of these, you know, productivity things that I want to do are capable of it. And and I like getting out of behind my desk all day. I spend, I like working on my Mac. There's a lot of stuff I can only do at it, but there's some stuff I don't need to do at it. And I think getting my butt out of the chair, uh, can be interesting. I did, I did something kind of fun the other day. I, you know, I've got some nice comfy chairs in my backyard and I just went in the backyard and sat back there and worked on it. I mean, nobody could see me. So that's kind of cool, but it's the first time I've experimented leaving the house with it on, and um, it was kind of fine, you know, working out there. And I don't know, I, it, I I'm not completely sure what all my feelings are about this new interface because it is such a change, and I do think that there are very negative consequences of people being able to check out like that with the natural kind of progression of this technology. But I know personally, I'm finding uses for it that makes sense for me. And I think that's really the goal for all of us is, you know, don't be afraid of things like AI and, and um, visual, you know, vision OS. Just find a way that sanely makes sense to bring it into your life. And then, you know, that's the best you can do. Uh, going back to trips, uh, like you, I was initially very hesitant to say I would ever take this on a trip with me. But now I'm actually thinking about, oh, yeah, I could see myself using this on trips. And I, I have several planned, and maybe it is something I would want to bring w- along with me. Um, I doubt I'd wear it on an airplane, but I think that um, but in a hotel room, I think I could see it being quite useful along mm-hmm. with a MacBook Air. Yeah. Uh, that, that's another question. Are you using it with your Mac at all? I mean, what are you doing in terms of the Mac screen in, in Vision OS? Yeah, actually, most of the time where I've, I've been using it for, for work, the Mac is, is part of that. You know, uh, we've had a, an update to Widget Smith for Vision OS that I was helping underscore with. And I had my Mac open with some stuff and Safari on Vision OS open with some other web pages. And then the, the build of Widget Smith, you know, they're just floating in my office uh, working on it. So 
I, I, I'm very happy. I continue to be happy that they brought the Mac into it. And I think that use case of like, I just have my laptop and I want a bigger screen. Like that's such a good use. And, and honestly, that's one of the things I want to sort of uh, experiment with on this upcoming, these upcoming trips. Like there are times where like my, um, my 14 inch MacBook pro just isn't enough. And yeah, it's interesting. What if I made it really big and then, use the Mac for what only the Mac can do and bring Envision apps around it. So yeah, that, that continues to be a, a nice use case. Yeah. So I don't use it at all with my Mac screen because I have a pro display. I've got a great big screen. I don't need to like replace this and the pro display resolution is better than the vision OS resolution of a virtual monitor. But I've heard from several labs members who are like travel warriors, people who travel a lot and, they're talking about, yeah, you go into a hotel room with a, you know, with a MacBook Air and you put this thing on, you got this giant screen and it's great. And I think I could, that's another reason why I'm tempted to bring it with travel is I think the Mac pairing mode for me there would make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. The other question, uh, how's the hardware holding up for you? So far, so good. I know there have been reports of some like cracking, which is a little scary. Uh, I don't know how widespread that is, but so far it's been fine. You know, I, when I'm not using it, I put the cover back on the outside and I bought the expensive but really awesome looking carrying case. I'm storing it in that case with the case open. It's it's basically on the workbench in my studio. Um, I got a power strip over there so I can plug the battery in, but it's been good. I, I actually have found, uh, you know, continuing to experiment with both straps that I'm fine with the solo one for short, short burst stuff. And that's been most of what I've been doing. Like, it's, you know, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. Watching a movie, I definitely want the dual strap because um, that, that weight distribution is much better. I do hope and I expect that there will be some good third-party options out there over time. Like anyone can buy this thing and get some calipers and, and measure and figure out the connection so I'm hopeful that there will be some some other options out there. But so far, it's been great. You know, the thing is warm all the time. And there's some there's some thought that maybe that's an issue with the cracking people are seeing. But it's not uncomfortable at any point. I think I think we said that initially, that while it gets warm, the heat is away from your face. But every time I touch it, like even if it's just been charging, that's one of my first thoughts. Because none of my other hardware does that, right? Like my MacBook Pro unless I'm doing some intense rendering or like Mac whisper type stuff, I never hear it. It's never warm. My iPad is never warm. My phone is rarely warm. This is the outlier, but it's just a note. It's not a problem. Yeah. So I, I generally, when I'm not using it, I like go in the settings and shut it down, which is just me being a little anal, but, so I shut it down properly and then I unplug it and I keep it in a drawer. And at this point, like I put the, 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 the front cover on it, but I also wrap a little lint free cloth around it. Cause my concern is like lint or stuff getting into the displays. Like, yeah. What if they get dirty? I'm, I'm very concerned. I, I don't, I don't want to reach in there and try and clean it. I don't, you know what I mean? I just, so that, that's the thing I'd like to keep them covered. I do have a suggestion there. Um, I saw yeah. this on Mastodon like a couple weeks ago and I ordered one. It's a $12 purchase on Amazon. So that's always good. 
Uh, it yeah. is the Kiwi Design Lens Protector Cover. It's it's made for the Meta family of products, but it's just this little. I'm going to send you a link to it, David, right now over iMessage. It's just this little piece of foam with a cover on it that slips kind of where your eyes go. It doesn't make a perfect seal, right? Like dust and stuff could still get in there, but it's going to keep big stuff. It's going to keep something from falling onto one of the lenses. Yeah. And I do have prescription lenses in mind, so I do feel like they have a, the, the screens have a little more protection, but I've been using this as well. It was an easy 13 bucks for me to, to, to add this to my sort of setup. Yeah, I'll I'll get this and we'll put it in the show notes for those of you interested. Um, but so I so I take it apart and then I actually keep the battery outside the drawer and I keep the battery charged. You know, I keep it attached to a USB C cable, so it's always charged. I uh, another funny hardware thing I do if I do something where I'm just going to sit in a chair, I don't mind. I'll leave the battery um, connected or or just in my pocket. But if I'm going to get something that involves me moving around, like as I've been working with these freeform boards and walking around the room. I literally put the cable, I zip it inside my hoodie or run it inside my shirt. I just don't want it to catch on something without me thinking about it and have things get ripped off my head. So I'm actually pretty careful about that. I noticed that the light seal rocks a little bit, like it's a little too wide. So I made an appointment, went into the store, and they remeasured me, and I've got a new one on the way. Okay. And they're going to take accept my other one as a return. It was a little bit of a process, but it all worked out. And um, when I was there, I asked the guy, because they sold like three of them while I was there. And I really think that demo is engineered to sell these things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're not impressed after the in-store demo, like I don't know what to tell you. It was so impressive to me. And I said, are you getting a lot of them returned? He says, well, we're getting a couple, but not you know, not that many. So I, I, I do think that there's probably, at least in the Irvine Apple store, I don't think it's, they're getting the returns that, that, that we're hearing, but yeah, I, I just, overall, I'm really happy with it. And I know that it's first generation and it's got some flaws, but you know, as people have said, it's Apple taking some risks and I like that they're doing that. And I think they, you know, you know, the more I think about this product, the more I think that this is, this is a, um, a survival product for apple this is you know the the future of technology is going to be these glasses that have screens in them you know technology has always been about screens apple makes so much of its money selling us various size screens whether it's one that fits in your pocket one that fits in your drawer one that fits on your desk it's a screen you know and some of us buy many of these screens but what's going to happen on the day when you can buy a pair of glasses that that it's the one screen you need that it's your movie screen it's your phone screen it's your ipad size screen whatever you know and then you're not going to buy the screens from apple anymore so they need to be the one making the replacement product just like the iphone replaced the ipod you know and this is long term i don't mean next year uh, as steven says don't hear what i'm not saying but i think on a timeline we're going to get to a point where this stuff is so seamless that this is just going to be the thing you get. And if Apple doesn't make it, then Apple's in big trouble. This episode of MPU is brought to you by Parallels Desktop. Parallels Desktop lets Mac users level up their productivity and efficiency, especially when using programs designed for Windows. Look, we're all big fans of our Macs, but sometimes you might miss how Microsoft apps like Excel or PowerPoint work on a PC. 
Or maybe you need to use CAD software and it just doesn't work the same on Mac OS. Well, you can get the Windows version of those programs on your Mac and more with Parallels Desktop. It's quick and easy to install and you can have it up and running in no time, which means you might even have some extra time to squeeze in playing some of your favorite PC games. So if you love everything about your Mac except that you can't fully use some key Windows software or play certain games, check out Parallels Desktop. Go now to parallels.com slash MPU and use the code POWER15 for 15% off. And you can enjoy a zero-risk purchase because they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. So go check it out, parallels.com slash MPU and 15% off with the code POWER15. The link, of course, is in the show notes. Our thanks to Parallels Desktop for the support of the show and Relay FM. Steven, stuff we're playing with. We have uh, a very, what would you call this? It's like a singularity in stuff we're playing with segment. We both came up with the same products independently. <laughs> we did. Less. We did do that. So I got myself a little birthday present last month and uh, picked up my first Waterfield bag. I know this is a, a oh, brand yeah. that you love. Welcome to the club. Um, Welcome to the club. Yeah. I got the, uh, as another word I don't know how to pronounce, following last week, uh, Fatisse, V-I-T-E-S-S-E, Fatisse yeah, Brief. Yeah, I don't know their name. Their name style. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it is a briefcase slash sling bag. So um, I've been looking at this bag specifically. And then Basic Apple Guy had a blog post about it in early January, outlining his use of it with a bunch of pictures. And I thought, okay, well, th- this is going to kind of push me over the edge. Um, so I got it in brown because I think that's that's the correct color for all these products. I got the nice strap for it. And uh, this fits my 14-inch MacBook Pro perfectly. I did get their kind of neoprene sleeve to put the MacBook Pro in. So there's a little extra protection. And I got another accessory to put small things in, uh, one of their little tech pouches, put like cables and USB drives and stuff in. And so it's a little bit more modular. Um, But I've really enjoyed it. I've been a backpack guy for a long, basically forever. I had a bunch of Tom Ben bags. Um, I was using uh, another brand most recently, but I want something a little bit dressier, a little bit nicer. And I've got the backpack for when I still need more, right? Like this, like the backpack is going to be what comes to WWDC. But this thing has been been really sweet. Had about a month. I've been really happy with it. Yeah, nice. This is a good bag. Yeah, I, I. So I, the first time I, um, I, I found. Waterfield, just to because I I know I sound like I'm in the bag for these guys, but Hey-o. I just kind of love the the way the company works. They're in San Francisco, so they're a California company. I always like that, but they do the manufacturing there. Like you know, it is a little bit more, but it's really well done, and they pay people living wages, and they come up with good designs, and they're very into customer design products. Like when they want to cover a new area, once you get on their mailing list, they say, "Well, we're we're trying to make." like the perfect bag for people who get on airplanes. You know, Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? And then they take all that feedback and they come up with like something really innovative and interesting. And uh, so I've always been a fan of their stuff. And back in the days of Macworld, I bought their bag for a MacBook Pro.
Pro in like 2007. And I carried it for five or six years. And then I gave it to a friend because I got another one because I keep buying these bags. This company, my loyalty to this company is the reason why I can no longer complain about my wife buying purses. But I bought a new bag. And I gave the old one to a friend. And just recently, because I did a review on this thing I'm about to talk about, I called him up and he says, oh, yeah, I still use it every day. It's fine. You know, so that bag is 15 years old and it still runs great. And because they're leather, they just look good over time. Uh, but I have not used any of these, what they call, you know, EDC pouches. You know, you and I, I think you and I are both the kind of personalities that could really go down this everyday carry rabbit hole if we were allowed this is a thing that i walk carefully around this topic right you know when the videos show up on youtube i'm like okay be careful here buddy you know because that's the kind of thing i could obsess on like the little bag that has everything i need to survive the you know you know whatever you know and and the uh edc is the kind of term of art for it but i did uh think i would like some smaller bags because I have all of my stuff as backpacks and we go to Disneyland all the time. And a lot of times my gear for a Disneyland trip is like sunglasses, um, uh, sunblock, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, an aspirin and an iPad and just like a small bit of gear. And I wanted something that didn't require me to put on a full on backpack for it. So um, I, I got a couple bags from them. I got one called the Mason EDC pouch and I got one called the Marquee crossbody and one of them is really small and it just allows you to carry enough stuff that your pockets aren't bulging, but it's a very light bag that you can wear around you and doesn't like feel much weight at all. And then the EDC, the Mason one, I got the size that allows me to put an 11 inch iPad pro in it. And so some days I'll take Daisy to work. And if I have a writing day and I don't want to wear my vision pro, I'll, I'll go and sit in Disneyland and do a bunch of, kind of like writing there and an iPad with a keyboard is all I need for that. And that this is what I wanted that bag for things like that. Mm -hmm. And I've had them now about three or four months. I've been testing them out. I always like to kind of wear them around for a while before I write or talk about them, but you know, they're waterfield bags. They're super reliable and they do the job. They've got like really cool buckles on them. The interior is always very visual. It's gold material. So you can see the stuff. Like all the little things. Like if you like Apple stuff, you'll probably like Waterfield. But the, so we both wrote in the outline at the same time that we were talking about Waterfield stuff. I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. It's it's been great. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's good stuff. And then the other thing is I wanted to add a new app that's coming out, but I didn't add it in, but you did under your list. Like I said, the singularity is here. Um, there's a new scanning app out. And yeah. it's by someone that we like. Yeah, uh, it's by our good friend Greg, who writes drafts and tally and a bunch of other great apps. We talked, we touched on scanning apps, I think, in the last episode. I've never really found one that I've been super happy with. A lot of them just have a bunch of features that I don't need or get in the way or have like goofy business models. And uh, this un- all, all unfolded on Mastodon. Greg was like, hey, uh, I built this thing. And a bunch of us were like, you have to make this an app. Like he, he, he wanted a scanning app that you could save a PDF or an image and send it to a bunch of places. Sounds like drafts, right? Like the same idea, just with scans yeah. instead yeah. of text. And this is so good. So you open it. There's a big old scan document button. And you pick what kind of format you want. 
you pick uh, destination, so email, messages, file, or the share menu. That's the real genius of this because then you can send it anywhere. And you scan it. There's an option to turn OCR on. And that's the app. The business model is also really simple. $4.99 a year or $19.99 for a lifetime. I bought lifetime because I think this is exactly the sort of app that we need. Yeah. Simple, straightforward iPhone and iPad both works great. Uh, I've got a blog post that I'm working on. I'll put in the show notes and I have this thing of like, this is the whole UI and it's three screenshots. Like it really is that simple. Yeah. And that's what we needed. Like, and I think that's why he made it. I think he went to scan a document and realized that like every scanning app out there wants you to like, make a a library and you know store your scans in their app and do all this you know and it, like we just needed an app where you can open it up put you know look at the water bill push a button and and have it saved and then you're done scanning the water yep. bill and this is uh sorely needed and uh when i heard greg was making it it's like yeah of course and uh great app and he's definitely a friend of ours so we are biased but uh, biased in the best of ways because Greg is a great app developer and he's in it for the long haul and giving him 20 bucks, uh, you know this app is going to be around for a long time and it's mm-hmm. going to only get better over time. Yeah, it's all built on Apple's, I think, like pretty straightforward scanning technology. So when you open yeah. it, if, you're, if you've scanned in Apple Notes, it's the same UI. Um, and that, you know that's the bulk of my scanning, right? The bulk of the scanning I do is is in Apple notes for Apple notes, but not always. And yes, you can do this in the files app, but anytime I go in there, I'm just sad that it's not finder. Like this is exactly what I wanted. And I'm so pleased that he wrote it. And it's just, it's really good. Really, really good. Good on you, Greg. Uh, So it's called simple scan, quick scanner. If you're going to search it uh, uh, from uh, agile tortoise, that's the developer. Greg Pierce, our friend that drafts, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. And if you have been struggling with this, let us know. Like one of the apps I recommended in the paperless field guide after the book, after the paperless field guide published, they went nuts and turned it into like an $80 a year app. And like, I'm going to be updating that field guide primarily to remove that app, you know? And it's so going to be so easy to say, Oh, we'll pay five bucks a year and you're good. Yeah. It's a no brainer. Um, and I think, you know, if you've got a family member or somebody like I, I recently, uh, not recently, probably six months ago, like showed a family member that you could scan with their phone, it blew them away. But I had to go to the thing of like, well, you got to go to Apple Notes, you got to go to files. And that's just a level of complexity. I think what most people will do is do this and send an email to themselves, like most normal people. And yeah. that's an option. And you can even set up again, because this is the most Greg Pierce thing ever custom destinations. So you can create an email and message destination with pre filled recipients. So you don't even have to fill out your own email address or like say that you use this to scan receipts to send to your boss, right? As a expense report kind of thing. You could just have your boss's email in there and have it as a custom destination. Super smart. I'm sure he will add stuff to it, but where it is now already is very good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's clearly made by the guy who made drafts and for all the right reasons. 
All right. Well, I think that about does it. We're the Mac Power Users. Always fun doing these feedback episodes, Stephen, and kind of blowing out the cash. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with the Mac Power Users. Uh, thank you to our sponsors at 1Password, Squarespace, and Parallels. Uh, for you more Power User subscribers, stick around. We're going to talk about the hypothetical March event, and we'll see you next time.